0: listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they
1: pulled me back in. I do have, have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right...
0: with Pastor Monty, a show where two pastors from different generations talk about truth in today's culture. At the top of the show today, let's go ahead and spread this content by liking and sharing it and making sure that you're subscribed to our show. And for all of you on YouTube, hit the bell so you can be informed of all upcoming shows. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of the Latia Bible Fellowship's online podcast network of shows called the VRN. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about ADF and our local church in Portland, Oregon. And now that all of that is said, I'm Pastor Josh, the senior pastor over at ADF, and your show. And this is Pastor Monty.
1: Welcome to Truth Time. This is Pastor Monty, and we are uh, together here. I am with. Uh, Josh, Josh, uh, being the the younger side of things, <laughs> and we yep. are going to be talking about. Are we? We're in season six now. Is that correct? Nope. No we five. Are in season
0: five. Season five. But the years go by.
1: We are in season five, and we are going to, c- uh, in truth time, um, in uh, in in the Christ factor, and then.
0: Just s- her up and she went for it all right we got it we got it so what we'll do is
1: we'll introduce each of the uh, the segments that we're going to go with this year um, uh, as as each one comes along then and of course w- now we're in the Christ actor so last year we ended the season uh, beginning in the book of Colossians a wonderful book in the book of Colossians the Apostle Paul is walking uh, writing to the church at Colossae, and he's dealing with, in particular, the the issues facing that church having to do with uh, Gnosticism. And so we are just going to be exploring that. We left off, it's kind of unfair to leave, unless you went back and you watched the last segment, which uh, I know I did. Um, I did not. <laughs> we, we, uh, we left off in the last segment in Colossians chapter one, so we had just begun the book of Colossians in Colossians chapter one verse fourteen. So, t- so we would pick up normally uh, on in verse uh, fifteen. However, that being said, might be a good idea to read verse fourteen er, th- starting thirteen and just moving forward, so that we have uh, context of where we are this morning. So for, so for he, that is Christ, he has recu- rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers Rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. For he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the church, the body the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. So that's kind of a mouthful. Let's go back and take a look at that. So, here in Colossians, the Apostle Paul is laying out very clearly uh, the the position of, of who Jesus Christ is. Now in, in Gnosticism, the belief was that that God um, essentially was ethereal and in that, in that he, the, uh, what we what we saw, what we see of God in, in the physical are emanations which have broken down. And there are only a certain number of ways to get to God uh, through these emanations that have broken down. Yeah, kind of. I mean in a nutshell for for the for the uh what for simplicity's sake.
0: When you're talking about God in Gnosticism, there's God and then there's God though. Right. And the God in Gnosticism that you're trying to get to isn't the God of the Bible. And that's the thing, like the God that we worship, that Yahweh, the God that we worship in Christianity, the creator God God. is a lesser being in Gnosticism. So you, you need to bypass that being and get to, um, sort of to borrow a term from Transformers, the all spark of, you know, like what created everything, but didn't create because you can't have physical things. Yeah. Anyway, that's it's tangential. I just want to it's not the god that you're trying to get to is more like um pantheistic like um like you know, becoming one with the universe sort of god. Which is
1: the same in Hinduism yeah. or or Buddhism or any of the other um isms. isms that are out there. What is fascinating is when you study different religions you find that it all kind of leads to the same place mm-hmm. and they just have different approaches of how to get there but the 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 culture in which the Apostle Paul is addressing is big in this uh, esoteric uh, philosophy of Gnosticism and the whole point of it, the name of it, implies exactly what it was and that is that in order for you to even begin to Try to understand who this uh, this God that is out there that is unreachable is. You have to have special knowledge,
0: mm-hmm. and only because the word gnostic right, means yeah. knowledge. Like gnosis is yes. the Greek word for knowledge, so gnostic knowledge.
1: And only an elite few, right, who follow various practices uh, can get there. And so we're not we're not going to go into the depths of Gnosticism. That's not the point here. The point is to say that this is the foundation where the Apostle Paul is coming from. So when when you read then Colossians uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 13, there, what you begin to see is the Apostle Paul is specifically painting a picture for us of who this, who Jesus Christ is, the Son of God, and, and uh, his position in this world. Uh, that uh, people are wrestling with and that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption so he's starting right out by making it very clear that redemption comes to us through Jesus Christ and that he is the uh, sole individual it, redemption is even possible and that uh, it is in him that we have that redemption and that redemption I- equates to the forgiveness of sins which sin is for us as individuals sin is the dominion of darkness it is where we dwell it is what sin is what separates us from God and 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 so because uh, because of sin we are incapable of of seeing um, the light of God, and Jesus Christ then comes to rescue us and take us out of that darkness and into the light. You want to add anything?
0: Uh, I mean, there's lots of places to go. That's fairly <laughs> succinct, I know, but there's well, there's lots of places to to go with that, and what that looks like, and when you're talking about. Is it hermatology when you're talking about the study of sin? Um, yeah, yeah, and
1: we really haven't gone, at least in Dick's, said, we haven't gone deep into uh, a fine definition of what sin is.
0: Yeah, when you're looking at the study of sin and and sort of how how we relate to it, there's a lot there, and it's not completely monolithic. Every there's a, there's a bunch of different ways that people have interpreted it. Um, one of the th- things but but yes obviously the it's so clear that that christ is the salvation from sin and
1: so do you think it would be beneficial for our listeners to at least have a synopsis of the general understanding of sin
0: i don't know that you can i don't know that you can summarize <laughs> i don't know that it that's that's a hard one
1: <laughs> it's a deep subject yeah
0: um Scripture
1: teaches that. However, d- d- for the benefit of discussion, uh, before we go forward, Scripture teaches that we, as a creation, are in sin. Yeah. Now there's there's some there's uh, different ways of looking at how we got there.
0: Well, and what the extent of that is, and so on and so forth. We know the end result of sin. We know the end result of sin, but like how it works is something that you have to be careful with. Um, but yeah uh... i don't know i don't know if it would be well
1: we don't want to be casual with it so i mean at this point let's just say that that what the apostle paul is specifically talking about positionally is where we are Mm
0: -hmm. that we are in darkness and it's important to note that the reason why the the apostle paul talks about it is because for the gnostics and for the world at large that he was writing to which i think is largely the same as the world that we exist in oh very much so the sin that you are participating in is your very existence as a physical being not necessarily what you do with that and the Gnostics had different ideas on the one hand there was the uh, you know ascetic Gnostics that believed that they should you know push away from everything that was physical because physical things are bad and then there's the other side the hedonistic Gnostics that believed that because Physical things are bad and you're stuck in it. It doesn't really matter what you do. So then you should just indulge in it. Right. And I think that that's we are very much in a world that is borrowing from Gnostic philosophy in the sense that there's this war that's taking place on the body itself. You know, we don't we we declassify the body as having. M- meaning, right?
1: Right. So you have on on the two ends of thing either extreme asceticism or ext- extreme extremism.
0: Right. So there's you know there's the sexual side where we're encouraged to do whatever we want to with that, um, and that's a war on on the meaning that the body has as human beings. And then there's the there's the 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 war on gender, for instance where our body has no determination and we actually should um, we actually should get rid of that right that's a that's an extension of Gnostic philosophy that we need to shed our mortal coil and go straight to how we feel not spiritual but how we feel because they they conflate spiritualism with feeling and and The point that is being made by the Apostle Paul during this time and the point that's good for our generation is understanding that the physical things were created and subject to Christ. They have a purpose and that that creation is innately good, not innately evil. Right. It has been marred, but it's innately a good thing. Like God, when he created things, he said, this is good.
1: Right. And, and 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 because the creation of God is good, it is then worthy of redemption. Yeah, and that redemption comes. So if, if if something is if something is purely evil and is of no good at all, then what do you do away with you? Just you do throw it away. You destroy it. And what we see happening in the world today is exactly that philosophy: that we're just going to get rid of things, change things, or destroy things. Um, because because they are inhever, uh, inherently evil. And the position that the Apostle Paul has taken is, is this, the, uh, the biblical position, the, the scriptural position that God created man. And even though we dwell in darkness at this point because of sin, we are worthy of redemption. And that redemption comes in the person of Jesus Christ.
0: Right, and the worth is innate to us because it's our that's the image of God that we were created in. So it's it's not our it's not um spirated from our being like we earn it or we make it or whatever. It's something that we started with that has been marred. You look like you have a point you want to make. Yep. Okay. So the, onl- the the only thing that I would add to it is just this particular passage in Colossians is of significance because some people will say that this is um, that this is something that's new that Christians added this to th- to like to the Gnostic interpretations of Jesus, and you'll you'll hear about the lost scriptures and Gnostic uh, scriptures and so on and so forth, right? But when you look at Colossians, it's written a certain way, and specifically mm. those verses uh, verses. 15 through 20 are considered one of the very first hymns of the church, meaning that when Paul writes this, he is quoting a well-known idea in the church that Christ is Mm -hmm. the invisible, uh, the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation, and all uh, all things were created in him, so on and so forth, that this is like a creedal statement that the early church had been saying before Paul even became a Christian. Right so this is like uh... this is like ancient christian belief about god that paul is simply quoting he's not making it up here
1: right. so so in verse fourteen then you know he makes it clear that positionally we are in darkness he ends his thought process before he begins to address the the object of our redemption that is jesus christ he makes his point that Uh, Sin is that which links us to that darkness and that we are worthy of being redeemed um, because we are creation of God. Mm -hmm. And so then we jump into verse 15. And so we're going to uh, end this section uh, here because it's a clean cut uh, and jump into um, looking specifically at verse 16 then. Fifteen, rather, and the following verses next week, uh, in order to expand further on uh, on the, the description that he gives uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, now, the next section that we want to uh, go into, then we're going to make a transition here. The next section that we want to go into is uh, we did a a. Um, we did a focus group to try to uh, better assess what uh, the needs of the church are and and, uh, and what they would like to hear and in doing that we uh, some discussion was made as to the all the stuff that's going on today and just getting trying to understand some of the elements that are out there so we're going to take a stab at trying to open up a uh, a section and i i don't have I don't have a, a name for this yeah. yet no name for it because this is this is we're, we're gonna try this and see if it works um, you know but okay so if you can think of a name uh, text us and let us know or uh, send something us in us the comments Put something in the comments or let us know uh, you know <laughs> some something along you know pastor money speaks truth on what I don't know anyway um, we'll, we'll we'll come up with something catchy. I know either either Tiffany or uh, or uh Jacqueline. Ja- Jacqueline will we'll, uh <laughs> we'll, will come up with come up with uh, something. Here. here we go. Sorry, so it's producer Jasmine. So <laughs> uh, so yeah. So what we're gonna what we're gonna do? Um, well, when I look at the two of them, I see the same face basically, and it's hard
0: well they are twins I, I, they are twins
1: yeah so um, so uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna do this the format of this particular section will be that we're just gonna take some stuff that's in the news and we're gonna try to understand it within the context of of uh, the issues that are present and how the church is affected by those issues yeah in and, and, uh, this and so um, and so that's what we're going to do. So this uh, this is normally this is something that's going to take where we're just going to have an ongoing discussion uh, because uh, s- th- some of these topics are long and complicated. But um, let's let's take a, an example of the first one. So some of you may be aware that uh, every every four years, um, <laughs> states have elections, and states have elections, and they elect. Uh, so that just like the, the the states are set up very similar to the way that the uh, national government is set up and you have uh, a a local body of congress and then you have senators and then you have a governor and the governor is the administrative branch and uh, in virginia there was uh, an election that was taking place in order to deal with that and virginia was uh, a heavenly democratic state and there were several things that were going on that uh, were causing people to have consternation, and so the governor, the, the individual who was running for governor, Youngson, um, ran on a platform. I- he focused on a platform where mm-hmm. that uh, that talked more about parents' rights and their involvement in their children's education and having some say in it, and the. The Democrat governor who was running things at the time in a debate made the mistake, and it was a mistake, made the mistake of flatly telling the constituents of the state of Virginia that they had no business in uh, knowing or caring about what their children were being taught. Um, that was not their business, it was the business of, of, uh, of the state. And <laughs> Governor Youngston said, nope, nope, not that, no, that's not right. So there, that was the underbelly of the fight that then uh, went on. And, and uh, as a consequence of that, a Democrat-run state, basically lost the governorship the lieutenant governorship and the and the uh, attorney generalship to republicans and and so now governor youngston had made a promise a campaign promise that he was going to eliminate the requirement for um, that the, the schools were teaching uh, the reason why it became an issue is because the schools were teaching um, uh, current race theory uh, to the students, and and uh, upholding the idea that that uh, because of one's race, either you're a victim or you're a subjugator, um, and they were teaching that, and they uh, were not, in, oh, and they were requiring children to be masks in order to go to school and uh, and the parents were up in arms about it and so governor Youngston basically said n- uh, when he got into the office he said no no i'm not i'm not having that and so he forbade the teaching of critical race theory and other ethnic based um, ideas behind uh, behind uh uh, how we interact uh, as a society and uh, to be taught within the schools and uh, and he uh, put forth a uh, you know a mandate that uh, the schools could no longer demand that children be masked but that the parents were to be involved in making that decision and the parents would say whether their children could be masked or not subsequently nine <laughs> nine school districts Filed lawsuit against Governor Youngston.
0: It's Youngkin.
1: Youngkin, I'm sorry, yeah. Hard name to pronounce. Nine school districts filed lawsuits uh, against him for following through on his campaign, uh, basically saying that he's not being constitutional in uh, how he's approaching this and that the school districts are the ones that have the say. It looks like it's
0: seven now. Oh, Okay, two dropped. I don't know. That's just what I'm seeing. Yeah, no,
1: that's fine. So Josh is doing some research. I think he'll probably put links up.
0: I've been doing it, yeah.
1: Uh, He put links up if you want to look further into what's going on here. um, One of the counties, which is the loudest and most vocal, Loudoun County, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, Loudoun County, um, basically, was having issues of just hi- not only not only were they teaching critical race theory, but they were they were hiding from parents the fact that their children uh, uh, had been so. Sa- one child was uh, was um, sexually assaulted, and the parents were not informed that the child was sexually insulted, Allegedly. Uh, assaulted. Allegedly, well assaulted. It's been confirmed.
0: Uh, okay.
1: Yeah, in a has court has of law. It's been confirmed. It it was confirmed. Um, But when the parent went to the school board, uh, a a school board meeting, in order to point out that his child had been abused, instead of the school board uh, addressing his concerns, they arrested him. They arrested him as a parent for voicing his concern. Um so the parents of Virginia were outraged at all these things that they saw going on, and so they put a Republican in, uh, in, in the three most powerful seats of the state. So Okay, so we've got a couple of minutes. so so the, the, the questions that the this is a complicated problem uh, question. But the, the questions that come to mind to us as believers is, is do we have, what, what is on the table is do we have um, an inalienable right as parents to, det- to determine um, what our children will be taught and, and how they will be dealt with in regard to their physical being and their health in, uh, I- when we're dealing with our children's education and when we're dealing with, uh, with um, the mechanisms that are used in order to educate them. Do we have the right to assert um, our values and that our values not be contradicted or undermined or do, does the state override all of that and once we turn our children over to the state in order for them to teach our children do we uh, do we give up those rights do you think i've articulated that well enough
0: it took a little longer than i'd like but yeah yeah okay Yeah. it's a, it's a complicated issue i mean i think you can lead with that question yeah and and i think that I think it's a worthwhile discussion. So so this is something that we would kind
1: of like uh, Yelp to participate in. And the question that we're going to start off with then and we're going to explore in subsequent uh, sections uh, uh, here uh, are centered around this particular issue. Um, Number one, um, do you have – Do you have rights uh, as a parent that you believe are given to you by God um, that you are the one who has control over what your children are are, uh, taught and how it is that they learn or if you turn your children over to an outside institution,
0: do you give up that right? I mean, no, I'm not agreeing, but I, yes. But I, that's the qu- I agree with the framing. That's <laughs> the that's the question
1: that we're framing. And we'd kind of like to hear your input before um, we discuss in, in uh, depth um, the position that, that uh, we're going to take in regard to what we believe scripture gives us direction as to how to address this. It is an important question because this is part of what's being framed by society around us today that and this goes back to what we talked about earlier in regard to narcissism and then and, and looking at throwing things out that they think are bad and reframing things and doing all that type of thing this is happening on multiple levels and this is one level that it's happening on is that the schools have <laughs> the schools have surreptuously Uh, been taken over by liberal-minded individuals, godless individuals, who believe it's that it's their their job to tear down society and rebuild it uh, with uh, our children who have been brainwashed and programmed. Now that's that's pretty heavy duty but I can tell you from my own now from my own uh, studies and reading That I remember that uh, when I was when we were addressing, I was studying the issue of homosexuality and what have you. And and, uh, one of the one of the leading homosexual groups uh, back in those days, uh, Globe. You familiar with it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Globe. Basically, there was an article in uh, in their magazine that that talked about the fact that that uh, the adults of the world were beyond trying to convert to being sympathetic towards homosexuality. But the children were not.
0: Yeah, yeah that's true.
1: And so they were going to begin emphasizing, um, beginning to teach, even at the uh, kindergarten age and up, that uh, they were going to begin to redefine what what the family structure was, was to look like. And they have actively, in the past uh, forty to fifty years, uh, been been doing that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So this is a this
0: is an important issue, and we'll explore it more. Yeah, I just want to throw out there, just uh, as the base for it, um, that we haven't given up, um, like the public education system we've given up the familial education system and the public education system was already a giving up of the familial education system.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know,
0: like John Dewey was a naturalist philosopher, psychologist who basically dreamed up an education system that wasn't based on God and his goal in building, he's the, f- the prime architect for public education and his goal, and also the the master of the Dewey Decimal System, in case you wonder. Um, But his goal in in supporting this and putting this idea out there that we should have a public education system was specifically to take away familial education. He wanted there to be a standardized education that wasn't taught within the homes because something like religion might be taught. Um, And he was right. And that 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 was the case and that that was a good way to make that happen and to destabilize the um, destabilize, you know, Christianity in America.
1: Right. And and so for those of you that are history buffs, you might you might uh, benefit from going back and looking at the transitions that took place from an agricultural society to an industrial society because this is where this all began to take place as justification by Dewey but you would also be good for you to understand that the major institutions collegiate institutions of education that existed at the time were church institutions so your big institutions back in New York are they are started that way yeah they're uh, Harvard and Yale and, mm-hmm. and and all of those uh, all of those schools back at that time they were initially Institutions uh, that were uh, that were to teach the word of God mm-hmm. and the standards of God, and they have uh, been taken over. and And uh, we deal with the they're now promoting uh, s- uh, secularism in all forms nowadays. And so it's, it's
0: important to note, yeah, it's important to note that those education systems have been taken over, much like the church. I yes. think a large portion of the church has become secularized, and we're seeing that. Across the across the board, with the various denominations arguing uh, about secular things um, and making them a part of their identity, whether it be CRT or the the LGBTQ plus um, uh, agenda, you know, li- we're we're seeing it across the board in churches becoming secularized, but the public education system was always secular. Yes, uh, and yes, it was always so anti God.
1: Yes, and the it last point I will it make here—it
0: was, here was Nazi youth—that and that
1: there's a whole, a fascinating set of books to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I would mention about that is that you, s- you, <laughs> you, <might> you <laughs> your head might be reading this point and saying, "Wow, Pastor Monte, Pastor Josh, you're, 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 really into." Um, the, the the thing is, is keep in mind that all of the the, the teachers that are trained to teach. In the secular institutions, are trained by these institutions.
0: Yeah, they have um, they have some really good methods. Yeah, there are some really good methods, and they have, for the most part, I would say that they have really good hearts. Um, there's Ma-
1: many of them go into education with the desire for the for the children. Yeah, no
0: doubt. Have you ever seen uh, a documentary called Waiting for Superman? It's a documentary called "Waiting for Superman" that deals with the education system coming out of Washington. I wouldn't be attracted to that because it's not well. It's not Superman is not real, right? Neither is public education. Um, (laughs) It's (laughs) it's it's a worthwhile documentary, and it talks about like the pitfalls and the difficulties and the rise specifically of uh, private schools and. charter schools and things like that because of the failures of the public education system it'd be really interesting if in case you're wondering I don't believe in public education that doesn't mean I don't believe people can't learn in that system they can but they learn despite it
1: yes okay so we'll pick this up a little bit later we don't want to go over (laughs) but we give you some questions to think about and then we're gonna pick this up next week and continue our discussion uh, then (laughs) how do we approach this as believers Let's talk about relationship.
0: Is there? Oh, there you go. All right, let's talk about relationship. So
1: last, um, the last time we we got together, we talked about relationship, and we and and last year we had spent the the bulk of uh, six months uh, leading up to um the dynamic of relationship that exists um, between uh, husband and wife so we talked about uh... about uh, just a brief synopsis we talked about uh, uh... god as a relational being we talked about the relationship that exists inside of the godhead we talked about uh... the relationship that exists then because we are created as individuals that uh, are to be in relationship we begin to explore some of the different relationships that exist for us some um, uh, the familial relationship uh, relationship mm-hmm. to to uh, child to parent parent to child uh, the relationships between siblings mm-hmm. uh, we talked about those types of relationships so we've been going from the the center outward in we ended just briefly introducing and touching on uh, the relationship that now exists outside of the familial to the uh, relationship that is created then between a husband and a wife. Okay. So scripture tells us that <laughs> foundation.
0: Yes. I mean, it's been six months. I know. You always like to give that foundation. Uh,
1: you know, foundation is important. Um in scripture they talk about the cornerstone right okay so so what i'm i know you're not a big fan of the foundation thing but uh, no
0: i'm a huge fan of foundation S-
1: scripture is big on foundation so um so here we are and we're now moving outwards towards the uh, uh, the relationship that exists between husband and wife now and so we'll spend a couple of weeks probably talking a little bit about this because it's it's, uh, it's a complex relationship. Okay. It's complex because, because essentially what you're doing is you're, you're taking, Scripture says that the, the, uh, the man in the relationship, first of all, let me clarify very quickly uh, that if there's any question, there should not be, but we believe that men and women are uh, succinctly men and women, and that there is, no, uh, there is no confusion in the distinction of the genders so we believe that uh, a man and a woman uh, come together as a man and a woman and it is from that seed that uh, the relationship of marriage then blossoms and that that is representative of God's design
0: yeah I mean there can be confusion about that but it is confusion
1: there is no confusion from scripture that's yeah. what I uh, <coughs> yes, yeah, no, they're trying well you know now no i I get your point Josh, because because nowadays they're trying to <laughs> confuse everything
0: well it's not it's not thought of as confusion, yeah. right it used to be called like gender dysphoria, for yeah. instance, it's not really thought of as a disorder, and that's the point I'm making is yeah, people are confused about that yeah and they and 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 it should be called confusion, yeah. Because it is clear in pretty much every other biological community, you know, across the animal kingdom, you know, it's it's clear what your gender is. Right.
1: Right. We 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 teach we teach and uphold gender euphoria.
0: Okay. (laughs) What specifically about the male and female relationship are you wanting to talk about? Well, at this point, I'm what I'm going to point out
1: is that we have we have at this point recognized that that male and female are born into a family unit
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it is within that family unit that they then develop um, their understanding of relationship from that family unit mm-hmm. so one family unit may have a completely in fact i guarantee one family unit uh, has one idea of relationship that is passed via through from generation to generation, mm-hmm. another family unit will have the same thing—a idea of relationship that is passed down from generation to generation.
0: You mean to say that they m- they m- may have different, different ideas? Yeah,
1: very much so. And in it and it it is likely that that has not been. Um, I'm going to say that probably. 95 or better percent of the time it is, it is that that dynamic that exists inside of the family unit has not been explored or discussed to any great detail yeah so and you know yeah there's a
0: lot of uh, parenting by um, observation yeah or not observation parenting by that like passive parenting right yeah yeah there's a lot of that going on um without commentary without without teaching without structure but again that goes back to the previous conversation of this idea that information is something that belongs to anybody else but us okay you know whether it's the church worker you know I- I- in in christian circles it it is the youth worker, which is not a biblical position, I just want to throw out there. It is not a deacon. It is not an elder. There's no such thing as a youth leader in in scripture. This is not to say that we don't love our youth workers, but that is not a sacred position. It does not exist. It is merely a functional position. Sorry to offend anybody who's a youth worker. Um, but that being <laughs> said, well, I mean that
1: uh, yeah, and, and that yes and uh, i wholeheartedly agree and and uh, that would bring us into a whole separate subject that we'll talk maybe at some point about the church administration How that all works but the the reality of it is is that all of these uh all of these side things that go on in churches the the youth worker the well that's uh, really the prominent the though. The, the sunday school teacher the music director the sunday school teacher uh, yeah yeah it just goes on and on yeah
0: those things those things have been given responsibility to teach discipline dis- discipleship you right. know and, right. and 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 that's just not biblical it's it's extra biblical and uh, it could be toxic and then you add to it going outside you know the same people who bring their kids to church on the weekends ship their kids off during the week to to Rome to you know to the to to the city
1: yeah, in fact, many uh, I have known of, I have known of parents who view Sunday school as a mechanism to uh, free up time for themselves so that they can yeah. have uh, go have Sunday brunch or whatever because the kids are being uh, babysat in Sunday school.
0: Well, there's a lot of parents <laughs> who <laughs> there's the a lot of parents who pat themselves on the back because they themselves do not involve themselves in church, but they do send their kids to church. Yes, and that's reprehensible also. Yeah. But it, it plays to this general idea that we want to uh, take away from ourselves any sort of responsibility in the raising of our children. And so that goes all the way from sending them to public school to sending them to uh, Sunday school or to youth group to, um, to teaching them about what our marriage relationships look like. And that's not to say that public school is a Bad thing in and of itself. It's not a thing that should exist. I want to be clear. I don't believe in it. But is it bad? Is it bad to to send my children to a place where they can get information for free that's given by the state? If that is not the only place they get information, then no, it's not bad.
1: Um, Slight correction. It's not free. Okay.
0: Your taxes pay for it. Sure. It's free to them. Yeah. Uh, you know. It has the illusion of being free. It is not free on many levels well depends on if you're poor enough <laughs> the uh yeah d- there's a lot of depends on the in that <laughs> so i, I- yeah I, I it's a difficult um it's a difficult problem to unravel because it it's so ingrained specifically in american culture get rid of all of your responsibility yeah so so imagine now so to keep this so <laughs> foundation
1: Keep this in context. So you have uh, two individuals that have grown up with no distinct, likely, no distinct um, understanding of the backgrounds of, of uh, how they are to function in relationship uh, who desire to come together for a number of reasons. And... and uh, and that can be that, that – that is unless you are biblically grounded and unless you try to approach it from a biblical position, that is a recipe for disaster.
0: So we have a couple comments. Yeah. Um, going back a little bit, the ultimate responsibility – this is from John Parker – should be on the parents' – These government-run programs should be helpmates to us, not dictates on what the kiddos can and can't learn. Mm -hmm, Okay. Uh, Heidi Parker. We'll develop that. Perhaps no relation. Says, you have rights given by God. Are you foregoing those rights when you turn them over to the schools? Essentially, you do. Should it be that way? No. Lucy Brown says, some parents have no idea what healthy parenting is all about, and they trust educators to teach their children. Mm -hmm. This is unfortunate.
1: All great observations.
0: Uh, I just want to be clear, like, so the audience knows that we're not going to be spending all of our time talking about submission structure, though, right? Nope. Be- because we spent a large portion talking about the male female yep. submission structure, and yep. I don't want you know the audience to. <laughs> When we're dealing with relationship, it's huge, and you can't really get away from the male-female relationship as much as our society tries to. Right. So that's going to be the starting point for a lot of discussion. Yes. It doesn't mean we're going to talk for another year and a half about. No, we're not going to live there. No. (laughs) Okay. No,
1: no, your your fears are alive. We're not going to live there. So, but but my point being that you know you you have two individuals that come out of this type of a. uh, a a hodgepodge of uh, <laughs> who knows what, and their desire is to uh, to come together and to create a family unit that is then based upon their ability to um, you know to have a relationship with each other and to make that relationship successful and work and and right. The reason why right up front for for foundation purposes is because um, it's difficult and what we do talk about when 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 I do counseling married premarital counseling and I I believe that you do this also Josh when I do premarital counseling um, one of the things that I try to make very clear is that um, it's going to be work
0: yeah yeah
1: this is not something where you can passively hope that it's just gonna they're gonna fit because that's just not the case.
0: Well, and I think the emphasis in that that people are always weirded out by is a large portion of the work is personal work, it's not group work right uh you know, and a lot of people are like well i'm all I'm all down for the work, but what they really mean is I'm down to watch my partner work yeah
1: <laughs> yeah. Particularly, sorry guys, but particularly the men. Yeah. Men, uh, what what I have discovered over the years in dealing with uh, marital conflict is that men are lazy. Just because of the way that they view things, remember men are going after the prize. And once they've got the prize, hey, they've got the prize.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to play in. I don't want to play into the stereotype of men being lazy. There is a reason why that stereotype exists. Sure. Um so I don't know that men are lazy. They definitely are creatures of habit and 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 what they seek determines what that is. So if a man is focused on being on performing, right? And that's what he's focused on, then he's going to be focused on the thi- he's gonna enable that focus and so if he's focused on performing you know being the man that he's supposed to be for God and for his family and so on and so forth then what that's gonna cultivate is a life of discipline yes. it's not gonna look lazy
1: yeah yes I agree
0: that's the thing if a man is focused on creating ease for his family then it's all about his perception of what ease is and so he's going to create a life of leisure and that's what his w- that what he's gonna be on The other thing is that because men are focus driven and they are really good at honing in on a single target, then it looks like they're lazy about everything else that they're looking at, right? Because they have the peripheral vision and then they've got the single laser target, right? And on that one thing, they might be really determined. It's really funny. What was I watching? I was watching Hardball with Keanu Reeves and, you know, here's this guy. He can't keep a job. He like, he's just. You know, he's he just kind of sucks at life. Right. But man, is he hustling Mm -hmm. like he's out there. He's busy. He's he's yeah, he's busy. right? And that's the thing. You see all these guys who are deadbeats, right? It's not that they don't know how to be busy. It's that they are focused on the wrong things and are and are Mm. moving in the wrong direction. And so it appears that they're lazy. When really it's not that they're lazy innately; it's that they're unfocused and have the wrong metric by which to judge success.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And there's, and unfortunately, there's a lot of that going on. So, so, so basically, what we're going to explore then uh, in relationships now, in particular, is this relationship, this dynamic that exists that Scripture tells us that uh, the the uh, man and wife are to come together. the man is to leave his father and mother and cleave to a wife, and the two should become one. And, and the dynamic that exists then between a man and woman and the relationship that exists uh, can be complex and difficult to be successful at. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to uh, explore that further uh, beginning next week <laughs> now now that we have laid proper foundation. Let's close our, uh, let's close our, um, our time together. Uh, uh, you might be surprised, but if you look at your watch, uh, we have been together almost uh, an hour. And uh, we want to try to be timely in how we uh, uh, are stewards of that hour. And so we're going to close our time here, and we're just going to have a little bit of fun with what's up with that. So uh, just a couple of interesting things to start <laughs> us out this year. Um, uh, as, a, uh, as I'm trying to be sensitive to my co-host, I stayed away from any uh, snake or alligator stories. Thank you. Um, <laughs> although, although there are an abundant amount um, out there, uh, I stayed away from those. But here's one that I thought that was rather interesting. You know the Guinness Book of World Records is always trying to find uh, things to uh, distinctly point out the uniqueness of uh, of a man and woman, and uh, hooray for them! How sexist! Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, they ha- they have put into the Guinness Book of World Records a Russian individual who is the first. To put together a working retractable lightsaber.
0: What? For Star Wars. That can't be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guinness Book of World Records. Why is that even a record? That's not a record. Well,
1: they say it is. How can that? Because be true? you know, like, like you know, like so for you, uh, you know, for you uh, um, Star Wars fans, you know. Ever since the lightsabers came out, you know, it's, we, uh, the desire has been to, to make it so that, um, it retracts, like, like they do in the movie. Um, and nobody's been able to make that happen. There was a guy in Australia that kinda had something, the, light-wise, that, that, but it didn't retract. But according to this, the Guinness Book of World Records, this Russian individual... Um, made a working lightsaber that retracts.
0: There you go. I mean, I'm looking at it, but I don't see how this is possible.
1: I don't write the news, Josh. I just report it.
0: Wow. <laughs> I uh, yeah, like I mean, it's it's a workaround. It can't be real. I don't know. Uh, okay. I don't know.
1: I'm just telling you. Uh,
0: okay. So. Um,
1: Here's my, here's my second golden find. You know, uh, some of you out there have uh, collections of things. Even uh, Pastor Josh here has an amazing, an amazing collections of things. And when, when, when Josh was young, and I wouldn't mock him, but I would say, you know, what, what's the point of that, son? And he would tell me, you know, Dad... This is my retirement. This is this is this is an investment in my future. I'm like, sure. So then I would tease him about the understanding of, you know, show me a buyer, fair market value. Something is only as valuable as somebody's willing to pay
0: for it. Yeah.
1: That's the tax definition of fair market value.
0: Yep. Well, Here's something. Do you remember when all those people who had all those houses and thought that their investments that they were collecting was worth something? Yeah, and they turned out to be worth nothing. Yep. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, I know, I know. Interesting
1: time we live in. Well, I wish to point out that there was an auction recently of Spider-Man art. Oh, yeah. 1984 black suit. Uh Uh-huh. Sold at auction for $3.36 million. Dollars yeah.
0: With, like a with, <laughs> with an M. Million. Yeah, that's dollars. not hard to believe. That's amazing. Have yeah, of course. Have yeah. you gone back and looked at – yeah, comic books appreciate in value. If you get the right ones, they appreciate in value. And the art from comic books goes up in value, too. That just boggles my mind. Well, it shouldn't. It's a well-established fact. I do remember um,
1: th- th- they used to have a couple of programs on on air about uh, about people that you know had miraculous artwork and what have you. Uh, Fox has a, a deal; um, they uh, call it uh, something Inheritances, hmm. um, where people inherit different things mm-hmm. and what what do they do with it? So I do remember hearing a story about a, a uh, an individual back on the East Coast. That had a comic book collection that was stored up in the attic. Mm-hmm. It was like a boardwalk type deal. Yeah. And and uh, one of the hurricanes came through, and destroyed the boardwalk, and destroyed his business. But when they were when they were uh, going through the trash to see what was uh, to see what was salvageable. Um, the books because of the way they had been boxed up, the comics and that's to have
0: right. you, you got to bag and board those books.
1: they were they were packaged in such a way that they weren't damaged by the storm. He made enough money from the sale of those comic <laughs> books to completely rebuild his business.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> well, my comic book collection isn't quite worth that, so I I try to get older comic books, but you know that's it's hard to get them. Yeah, very hard. so. Because they used to, the here's a here's a what's up with that for you. The reason why comic books shot up in value and became so valuable, uh, especially the Golden Age comic books from the 1940s, is because the original print runs were torn up, and used as packaging for World War II. Yeah, yeah. And so basically, there's only so many surviving copies of the old school comics wow. because they were used for World War II.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Back back in those days if something looked like it had no like it had run its course they just repurposed it because of the shortage
0: of things. That's right. So what we got to do to get comic books to go up in value is to get people to destroy them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. what it is. It's yeah. you know supply demand. That, that,
1: that that's what it's all about. And we will have a program where we talk about supply and demand. But for our purposes today,
0: I think we're done. Okay, let's go ahead and sum up the show then. I was not prepared for that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I wasn't prepared for that. Um, If you are someone who's seeking answers to know more about your faith or you're new new Jesus Christ in the Bible, um, you can check us out. You can check us out at abfpdx.org. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of Olathe Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon, We Radio Network, which is part of ABF's online ministries, and we produce helpful and interesting resources for the church local and at large. And if you're one of those who's enjoyed this service, remember, you, you can like, subscribe, share our podcast. You can even donate to us. You can find all that on abfpdx.org. Um, so take a second to do that if you haven't done it yet. We have content that's shared every Tuesday at 11 a.m. while we're on season, and this is the first episode of the new season. It should also be noted that our sister show, Culture Insanity, is coming back this Saturday. So Culture Insanity, this Saturday at 9 a.m. And then you can always check out our sermons and everything else we have. Uh, Okay, let's close it out. I'm Pastor Josh, your co-host and senior pastor over at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Rig. Re-